0: Well, I'm in the ATP Lounge, and this is the ATP Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined by regular on the podcast, (laughs) Brad Stein. Thanks so much for joining us, Brad.
1: Thank you, my (laughs) (laughs) co-host.
0: So we were just chatting a little bit um, about Tommy. Of course, you've been coaching him for a while now, but you have made some changes recently that um, we were discussing. You just brought on a physio um, that's been working very well. Just talk about um, the new physio, Sebastian Kosarine.
1: Yeah, we um, Tommy's had a a kind of chronic issue with his elbow that he's had for quite a long time, for like four to five years. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, it's it's just been a consistent thing that we kind of have managed. Tommy and I have been together now for three years, a little over three years, and during that time frame, it's it's been a constant, you know, and he, he manages it himself. Tommy has quite a high pain threshold and he plays with it when it's bothering him you know some and and it does affect like his ability it's it's 99.9 percent of the time it hurts on the serve um sometimes if it gets really bad like it'll hurt like on first ball like after he serves and stuff a little bit um and and the the pain level comes and goes and so He had been using the ATP physios for a while, who are fantastic. Don't want to try and make that sound like it was a bad deal. It was actually a really good deal. And to be honest with you, I think that it really helped Tommy with his professionalism because it put him in a position where um, he couldn't leave the facility really um, prior to getting his treatment and doing those kind of things. And and I think it, it made him understand and recognize that he needed to take care of himself. Um, but I think we got to a point where, one, Tommy's success on the tour has given him a little bit of financial freedom and put him in a position to be able to hire his own physio. And, and so we started looking at that. And um, we tried one guy um, through the end of the clay season in the grass and just didn't work out quite as well as we would have liked to have. The, the, the chemistry with the team wasn't great, really, in the end. And... Um, And then the guy that we ended up hiring, Sebastian, we call him Seba. Cozarin is from Argentina. And um, Tommy's strength and conditioning coach, who's based in Boca Raton, Florida, um, knew Seba. Seba is also based in Boca, which was really, really good because Tommy's never had anybody at home that he's worked with. So now he has the same guy who knows his body, understands his body, um, both on the road and, and at home.
0: So... Is this the first time Tommy will be traveling with a physio in his career?
1: He, no. You know, when we first started, he had um, he was sharing the same guy that uh, Francis Tiafu mm-hmm. uses, Brett Waltz, mm-hmm. who um, Tommy and and Francis both knew Brett from the USTA. Brett used to work for USTA when they were juniors and when they were there, and Brett does a really good job also. But um, Tommy, you just made a decision to kind of um, stop with Brett and use the ATP physios for a period of time. Um, Part of that was financial, to be honest, Um, and and also the fact that, you know, the ATP does provide that service for the players and the guys they have that that work, you know, in the training room and and do the physio work with the ATP are really good. I mean, those guys, there's a lot of guys that have worked privately with, like, top-level players and gone in and out of the ATP, um, you know, because they they stop with a player, they go back to the ATP. The fact that the the ATP brings them back in just goes to show you how good those guys are. there's a like one of the guys here, uh, Per Bostel, was a, you know, private physio for Berditch for quite a few years and now he's back with the ATP. So the level of those guys is really, really good. It's just that, you know, you have to wait in line sometimes and it's not quite as convenient. Having your own private physio is a very it's a little bit of a luxury in a way because you can set up uh, you know, your sessions whenever you want to and it makes it a little bit more convenient for the player.
0: And you, you brought up a couple of times, that, you know, the financial and also the, the ATP physios being so good, but yet still bringing on a private physio. How important for you as a coach do you feel like for the player it is important to in, invest in themselves that way? Obviously invested in you as a coach, but to bring on another just to take responsibility, I guess. Is that something you think is important?
1: Yeah, well, I think if if you if you consider it, you know, if, if you look at our organization as a as a business, you know, in kind of a, in Tommy's situation over the last couple of years, kind of a startup in some ways, um, you know, I think most businesses, they reinvest the majority of their profits through their first number of years, um, you know, back into the business. And really, that's what Tommy's doing. You know, he's, he's making an investment in himself as the you know the primary (laughs) the primary uh, breadwinner and and really the product that we're creating within this business and um, so we want the product to be better and that means trying to keep Tommy healthier and and pain-free as much as we possibly can and um, he really likes uh, Seba. Seba does a really good job you know I mean I've been around the tour long enough and seen enough physios working with players and and, um, I have a background in in uh, exercise physiology, kinesiology, so I you know kind of have a decent knowledge. It's been a long time since I went to school, but um, <laughs> but I have a decent knowledge of those kind of things. And also, you know, 30 years on the tour, just watching physios work on players and dealing with injuries and different things. And so, uh, Sebus has a really he has a really nice personality about himself. A very kind of quiet and, and understated kind of guy. It's funny because when he he started at Cincinnati kind of as a trial period, Cincinnati through the U.S. Open and um, didn't speak a lot of English. Um, His English wasn't very good at all, really. And um, so there was a lot of pointing and... and, uh, (laughs) And, um, you know, demonstrations of exactly what he wanted to do with, with Tommy. Um, he's been taking an English course online, and his English has improved a lot. He's, he's made a lot of progress already.
0: Yeah, we are going to try and get him on, but he felt, yeah, didn't feel comfortable quite He didn't feel quite, quite comfortable yeah. yet. He yeah. said maybe next year when yeah. he feels a
1: little more comfortable with his English. But it's funny because... Um, now, as his English is getting better, we're starting to see a little bit more of his personality. He's quite a jokester. Okay, he he, he loves pulling like a few little pranks here and there and stuff. <laughs> so now we're really enjoying it, and um, he's done a really good job with Tommy. So we're very happy.
0: It, it's interesting because you mentioned you do have so much experience working with so many players. That's because I'm old. Jim. And you're <laughs> <laughs> no experience <laughs> is the word. Um, but also having that, so much of that background and exercise, how hard is it for you to sort of separate yourself knowing so much and how much you've learned over the years as far as getting involved in the physio aspect and the fitness? Well,
1: I I mean, uh, you know, I I think that it's important for all of us within the team to try and stay in our lanes a little bit, but at the same time we overlap in everything we do. You know, I mean, I communicate with his strength and conditioning coach, Franco, about um, things that I feel like Tommy can improve on in in his movement and those kind of things on the court. Um, Franco asks me specific questions about those things. Seba and Franco obviously communicate a lot, like probably more than Seba and I necessarily need to because they both are dealing with Tommy's physical training and aspects. Um, So there's a lot of communication with them, which has worked well because they're both Argentinian. So they don't have any trouble communicating at all. Um, and you if we, bite at that point. Yeah, and if we have to, we can always do a call and get because Franco's English is very good, so okay. we can get Franco on the line and you know mm-hmm. and and if we need to get really in depth about things. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'll I'll ask Seba questions about things and just um, you know kind of kind of feel things out a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, he he's an expert in his field and and um, you know I have and it's important that like. The statement I'm about to make, you know, I mean, I have full trust in him. I mean, I think he's making the right decisions in everything that he's doing all the time so far. So I haven't, there hasn't been one time where I've gone like, eh, I don't like that idea of trying to do this or that or something mm. that he's, that he's working at.
0: How, how much time do you feel like you need to give it? Because a lot of times there's like an immediate comfort level, right? Or about what they're doing. But how much time do you really feel like you yeah, need to I- give it before you take someone on board?
1: I mean, um, I would say, you know, with, like I said, we tried someone earlier in the year and um, we did about four or five weeks mm-hmm. or something, you know, traveling on the road. And um, and it, it just wasn't as comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. it just didn't click. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the team kind of mm-hmm. felt the same way. And when we had a, a discussion about it, like, you know, we had a little group call and um, basically everybody who – we were all being a little bit politically correct and not saying anything negative or anything, and then all of a sudden once somebody said something, it was like, "Oh yeah, I feel the same way you know and, and everybody kind of kind of came out in the in the same direction um, so then when Seba came on, Uh, it was funny because you're exactly right. Like, I think we felt like within a very short period of time, like, Mm. like, wow, okay, this is, this is really good. What was it? This is a great fit. Anything in particular? Maybe part of it was that he couldn't speak English. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we thought, man, the guy's just very chill and very quiet and stuff. (laughs) Now he's, his English is starting to get over, he's starting to irritate us a little bit more. No, I'm totally joking. He's a super, super good guy. Um, you know, it's just, he's, he's funny, um. He was a former rugby player. He's a big, big guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a Tommy calls him a unit, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because like he's, yeah. he's literally like a brick wall. Yeah. And um, and so it's funny because he has this kind of physical presence that's a mm-hmm. little bit intimidating in a way, but he's a very, very soft-spoken, mm-hmm. uh, relaxed, easygoing guy. And so you combine all those things, and he's just a, he's just an easy guy to be with. And and it's you know, doing what we do every single week, we're we're traveling, we're in and out of airports and hotels and and those days sometimes the travel days can be kind of stressful at times you know just getting to the airport and getting checked in and doing all the little stuff like that and and um so it's always nice to see how you travel with somebody Mm -hmm. and Seb is a super easy guy to travel with Mm -hmm. same thing he's just very 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 so he's
0: obviously very good at what he does but it's more about having that ease about him that
1: 100 percent but I think that also comes with you know I think that we've had the experiences with people in whatever field they're in, people that are very confident at what they do and have a, a legitimate confidence. I always say like on the court, confidence is actually quiet. Mm-hmm. Confidence isn't something that's super loud. You know, you don't have to like fake it and scream and yell and do all this other stuff. And Sebas has that kind of air about him that he's mm-hmm. he's just got a quiet sense of confidence that gives you a sense of calm and relaxed uh confidence in what it is that he's doing and and how he's doing it
0: is that is that something that obviously you feel is important for tommy not only off the court but on the court as well to when they look over when he looks over at his team to feel that calmness is that something that you guys try and portray
1: sure 100 i mean i i'm um you know i mean things things go up and down through the course of a match and the and the um you know, the emotions and and different things go up. And so sometimes you're, you know, he wants to look over and see you getting a little more pumped and stuff like that. But in general, um, I think you want to present a relatively calm air, even in the the face of a lot of intensity and emotion that's going on.
0: And then you mentioned he's had this problem, obviously, with his elbow for like four or five years. Um, Is that something, obviously, that Seba can work on, but is that something that you've approached anything technically in particular that's feels like something been something that's made that injury there's
1: been there's been definite conversations about like different things that he could potentially be doing to try and change it a little bit but
0: because you said mainly on the serve right? yeah it's primarily
1: yeah. on a serve but it but it um I, you know it started well before I was involved with Tommy mm-hmm. from a coaching standpoint so I'm not even sure what the origin of the injury mm-hmm. necessarily was but we have gone through uh, MRIs and scans and I mean, done everything that you can possibly imagine. And no doctor that's looked at it has said that there's any real, um, damage that they can recognize. There's no tears. There's nothing Mm -hmm. like standing out. It's, it's, so it's, it's a tough situation. And, um, just trying to figure out, and, th- and I think that's one of the reasons that we wanted to bring someone on um, to be able to really, really deal with it and, and keep it as healthy as we possibly can. And uh, you know, all that being said, and you know, the negatives of it, um, I think Tommy does play with some pain on a mm. pretty regular that's basis, tough, on a relatively
0: regular basis. I mean, that's tough.
1: It is a hundred percent. Yeah. That being said, um, he hasn't missed any tournaments now due to the elbow for a while Mm -hmm. and and that was when we first started there was a few where it was like you know i just need to give it a rest for a week or so and you know pull out of an event or not play or something like that and so that was one of the things that we wanted to address you know getting to the point where he's not having to like you know not play events because of it and so we've kind of accomplished that um if we can get to the point where you know the idea of him being absolutely pain-free is like a dream right i'm not sure that it'll you know, I mean, he does have weeks where he's pain free. Mm-hmm. He has had weeks where yeah. he's pain free.
0: Not only physically, though, but like to mentally, I would feel like to always wonder if it's going to hurt or if it's going to get worse. Is that something that comes into his mind or now he's just used to it?
1: I think he's just used to okay. it. To be honest with you, the, the most frustrating thing from my standpoint, from a coaching standpoint, is that in the three years that Tommy and I have been together, we have spent one, I'm not joking, one session ever working specifically on serves. Really? Yeah. We never hit extra serves because of the elbow.
0: Because of the elbow. Yeah, we just want. To he's give got him. a great serve. I mean, he trusts he, he his serve. He does have a great
1: serve. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. But I think, especially especially in the first couple of years, and even now, like I'm I'm always a little. I think his percentages could be better, mm-hmm. like on his first serve, mm-hmm. especially. And that's something that we've, you know, but we just, we talk about it, but we don't necessarily put the time in to go out with a basket of balls and, and hit serves because it just puts more stress on the elbow.
0: Is that ever a factor in matches? Do you see? If, cause... Yeah,
1: I mean, I think I think it is for sure. You know, when your percentage is low and you feel like, you know, it'd be nice if we could go practice that a little mm-hmm. bit more and ho- hopefully bring that up. Um, I mean, we certainly talk about it within the context of, playing practice sets mm-hmm. and stuff like that you know on court we just never really hit extra mm-hmm. serves
0: and then um obviously he's improved in so many categories and at this stage it comes down to just little things here and there what are there specific things i can't tell you that, i know Jill. the secrets no i'm just I know. joking
1: <laughs> um you know it's funny that you say that because i've been talking to tommy um i've been using the terminology of saying that when we first started together we were doing you know big brush strokes we were Mm -hmm. basically painting the outside of the house okay that's a good analogy and at this point at this point we're we're doing the fine tuning right you know and we're we're trying to uh we're doing all the finishing work you know we gotta we gotta sand the little edges and and uh get in there with much smaller brushes and make smaller um brush strokes you you say that exactly
0: to him that analogy yeah
1: Yeah. we actually have i said we're (laughs) i said at this point you know we're we're not painting a house we're we're trying to paint a masterpiece Mm -hmm. you know and 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 create something and so it's it's small little details more and more and and that makes me be a little more nitpicky about small little things whether it be footwork or mechanics or um different things like that uh and and obviously i mean part of my job is when you're working in an individual sport like this with with just one player you know is making adjustments week to week because obviously you play well one week and you don't play well the next week and just trying to figure out why and what's going on. Sometimes sometimes it's mental, sometimes it's you know, guy just loses his timing a little bit here or there, or, you know, changing surfaces week in and week out, changing balls week in and week out. Mm -hmm. I mean those those are tough things. You know, Mm -hmm. just trying to figure those things out on a on a weekly basis and still produce good results all the time is is really what you're trying to do. And you know
0: You know, I've always been asked something interesting that I want to ask you is in a player's career, how many times do you feel like you play at your absolute best in all the matches? <sighs> very rarely. Very rarely. Very rarely. Right? Through
1: the, th- I mean, even through the course of a, of a, um, of any given match, you know, from start to finish, you, I think you go through periods in most matches where you, you know, any given player plays some of their very best tennis for right. a few games or maybe a set.
0: So mentally for a coach and to portray that to a player, when you know you're not going to play 100% all the time, what is the mental approach going into those matches when you know there's going to be tough moments, challenges?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing that I would say most coaches probably stress at this level is, is to try and be mentally consistent. You know and maintain a maintain a level of focus and concentration um energy emotion Mm -hmm. i mean there's you know just going through that list of of adjectives there you know Mm -hmm. to describe what we're looking for um it just goes to show you how many things you're trying to create for yourself Uh, unfortunately you know as human beings and people we have this big thing inside our heads you know that we can't shut off it'd be nice (laughs) It would be nice nice if you could just, you know, open up the top of the dome and pull the brain out and put it in a box before you go on court and just let your body play tennis the way you're capable of Mm -hmm. playing tennis. Mm -hmm. Because really your brain is what limits everything. You know, it also creates the ability to do amazing things, but it really does limit you also when you don't play well. You know, the brain starts to do things that you don't want it to do. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a matter of you're trying to maintain that you know, sense of quiet in your head. Do you
0: guys do any meditation?
1: We haven't done any specific meditation. Mm. Any mental exercises? I'm not sure Tommy could focus on meditation for more (laughs) than about three and a half minutes. (laughs) I can't either. (laughs) (laughs) Any other mental exercises? So, I mean, there's... um, there's a lot of a lot of things and keys that we have definitely spoken about Tommy has a pretty specific on court um, in between point time process okay that he's that, supposed you probably to go, can't reveal. that he's supposed to go through eh, I mean anyone that's involved in the game probably has something similar right. you know that they work on um, but I think that uh, you know I'll remind him especially now that we're allowed to coach you know I'll remind him at times to just you know uh, be more aware of his between point times mm-hmm. if he's starting to rush a little bit or, or do different things you know and part of that is getting to know your own athlete and obviously when you're around someone and you see him play as many matches as I have now over the course of the last three years with Tommy you start to recognize the signs of when he's getting a little more stressed or a little more anxious in what's going on on the court um, and so you try to you know pull him back and, and Refind that kind of ideal competitive state. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that and then staying in it consistently is—it's a tough thing, yeah. and it's it, a lot of times it's what separates the very best players from the guys that are very, very good players and mm-hmm. very successful on the pro tour, but but never quite achieve the greatness that the guys at the very top of the game do.
0: Mm-hmm. I do you like the encore coaching?
1: I do personally. Yeah, yeah, I like it, and I and I, I I'm pretty happy. This is the second time in my career that there's been a, a an attempt at on-court coaching. The first time, uh, the way they did it the first time back in the '90s was poor. It it, it was well, like it, it was like doomed to be unsuccessful at that time. Um, back then, they did it where you were allowed to go on court and sit on the bench with your player at the end of a set. Mm-hmm. But um, similar to the women, yeah. yeah. But that was this was back in the early '90s, and the rules at that time were that you you didn't take a change Uh, you didn't take a a break at the end of a set like you do now regardless of the score it was all odd games so your player could literally be Mm. down a set and a break before you got a chance to Mm. speak to them because if it was an even score at the set score 6-2 or 6-4 then they didn't take a break and they could play another game and potentially lose serve Mm. and then you go out and get a chance to talk to them. And I mean, at that point, they're like, <laughs> they don't really want to listen to you in the first place. So, um, so yeah, that was that was the the whole system back then. I think mm-hmm. was done poorly. Mm-hmm. I like this system much better, where we're allowed to speak to the players. You know, when they're at our end, um, the communication is is um, better. I think. Um, it took us a little while. I don't know about everybody else, but it, like with Tommy and I, it took us a little while to actually settle into it. Um, the first few tournaments where where we did it, Tommy, because he was now allowed in a way to engage with us in the box, he started kind of using the box as an excuse to to get a little bit more squirrely mentally on the okay. court. And I addressed that with him right away and told him that, he, you know, you can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, you're supposed to still stay focused. Mm-hmm. And now um, with us, at least, there's a lot of times where he may not even look at the box or look at me. And I'm saying things to him, and and I know that he's hearing what I'm saying, but he's not necessarily reacting to what I'm saying, and that's fine. We've talked about that. That's 100% fine. So
0: instead of looking at you, he keeps yes, his focus exa- down. Exa- or, exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly.
1: Which okay. is why that's the way you used to be more. Mm-hmm. You know, is that you you wanted to keep your focus a little bit more between the lines, and um, and so he's doing that and doing a little bit better job. That being said, also we we did talk about like. His tone, like if he has something that he wants to say to me or something like that, that he needs to make sure that he does it in a manner that's got a tone that's a little bit more of a positive question, or or it, it's a legitimate like um, criticism in a positive way of what
0: is going on or yeah.
1: something, you know, and not not using it to to create a negative emotion or negative energy that's going on out there. There are it some questions you
0: physi- physiologically, right? Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. So even the change of your voice, yeah. Can-
1: Absolutely. And there are I, – I, I still have a few – one thing I don't like about the the, um, the, new coaching rule is that we're now often, especially at the bigger tournaments, um, there's a live mic that's, like, right in front of us in the box. And I um, actually heard, you know, Jim Courier commentating and talking about, you know, like uh, – He was saying that he thinks some of the, you know, the bigger teams that can afford it are going to have somebody that's sitting in the players lounge or at home or in another country, you know, watching the match and and having all the stats right in front of them on a computer and can then, um, you know, message whoever's in the box Mm -hmm. to say, hey, you know this percentage oh, wow. of serves are going to this spot or he's missing from here or this guy's whatever. And actually, you know, like create like a little team function on that almost like a football game where you have like the offensive or defensive coordinators up in the booth watching the game and they're, you know, relaying messages down based on what they're seeing to the head coach. But that could happen coach. without
0: coaching. But
1: it? the thing that bothers me is also, okay, so now I'm sitting in the box and I have a live mic and I'm being picked up by TV and they have somebody that's doing exactly that, watching the match and doing that kind of stuff. And the commentators say, oh, yeah, you know, Brad Stein just said to Tommy that he needs to serve to the backhand more or that he needs to attack and come forward more, you know. Mm -hmm. And that person can then text the other team and tell them what the commentators just said on on the television. I think that's an issue that we actually have to, like, pay attention to and be aware of. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that it's happened yet. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen, you know, even if it's, even if it's just a, um, a friend mm-hmm. at home that, you know, I mean, could be a buddy of mine or somebody that's at home watching the match and, and says, Hey, they just picked up on the mic that the coach was just telling him to do this. You know, you might want to tell Tommy, mm-hmm. you know,
0: but yet you still like the, that's my negative. That's that my, tough. that's yeah. my negative, yeah.
1: um, view of the, you know, but I, but again, I'm not sure that's happened. I don't know that it's happened. I'm not sure that I would know. You know, right. somebody's obviously not going to tell right, you. Right. Oh, yeah, we got some good right, information right. from so and so about it. Um, but that's my one. I should say it's my one concern. I think it would have to happen fast. To yeah, though. it's my yeah. one concern about that. You know, because um, it could
0: happen the opposite too. You could get purposely give false information. I guess.
1: Yeah, we could. We could start doing. We could start doing. We could start doing all, we, good, we start doing all kinds of oh, stuff. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, but. Um, all that being said, yes, I do. Part Overall, I like it.
0: There is, there's not a part of you because for me, there's not there's not a part that loves the fact that tennis you have to figure things out for yourself, and because yep. you, that's a big learning experience right yeah, there I, that you're missing out on, maybe.
1: A hundred percent, I understand that argument, um, and I do think that's a cool aspect of tennis. I think we're I can't think of another sport where there's there's not supposed to be any coaching. I say not supposed to be because Mm -hmm. there is coaching Mm -hmm. constantly i mean Mm -hmm. i've been on the tour now since 1991 and there's all kinds of coaching that goes on you know from signs and signals to just verbal information that's given to players in foreign languages you know it's like um you know when you have a player and a coach that are both Slovakian or Hungarian or something like that you know I mean who, who knows what the coach is saying to them most of the time mm-hmm. most of the umpires don't speak those particular languages right. if you speak Spanish or French or English or German and you're coaching pretty blatantly you're probably gonna get caught for that but I mean I can go back and name a ton of different coaches that I know have coached a lot mm-hmm. over the years with very good players and I mean I think we Everyone, you know, I'm not going to say that I haven't. I absolutely 1,000% have coached in virtually every match that I've ever been involved with, with every player that I've ever been involved with, to some degree or another. Um, I think
0: that's been the argument. It's ever, a lot of people are saying it happens anyway. Yeah, and yeah. it's
1: and it's going to continue to happen anyway. You know, I mean, you're 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 so invested in what's going on with your player, and and you want to help them as much as you possibly can, and so you're going to try and do that. You know, I mean, I I don't know too many coaches that just sit on their hands through the entirety of matches and and don't say one word about what's going on. You know, so. Um, I prefer it. Uh, You know, I think ultimately the goal would be that we're presenting a better product to the TV and to the fans that are there watching the matches. You know, hopefully coaches can have a positive effect on their players' ability to produce their best tennis. Um, And and that's going to, you know, that's going to put a better product out there for tennis. So, I mean, I, I hope that that's what translates. I think it also um it highlights a little bit more obviously from a coaching standpoint from from myself you know and for all the other coaches it highlights what we do a little bit and gives a little more credibility hopefully to um to what we do that being said I've always I you have a lot of credibility <laughs> <laughs> I've always yeah I've always been I've always said also that it's going to be really interesting when a player literally fires his coach on the sideline you know because because now you're allowed to coach right you know and like coach is going to oh, yeah. say something or do something or whatever and the player is going to be like get out of here yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know like i mean that'll create some excitement and controversy yeah. so yeah. you know any publicity is good publicity right <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that, that's a really good insight into the coaching that's that's great but brad you've been so generous as always with your time <laughs> thank you so much but i'm going to let you go um but thank you for joining us on the atp podcast
1: thank you jill i appreciate it